Uh, well, welcome. And again, thank you, Ryan. And I also want to thank uh, Milena Kalinowska, who, um, and, I, and also the curators, uh, Kelly Gordon and Carrie Brower. Uh, and, you know, I think you know, they deserve a tremendous uh, thank you because they've been really focusing on new media here at the Hirshhorn for um, a number of years now and bringing this very important dialogue about uh, electronic media and the artists that are working in this area to Washington, D.C. We need a lot more uh, new media here in the nation's capital, and I'm really glad that the Hirshhorn is taking the lead on that. So there's so many things to talk about, and uh, yeah, we have about, I'm going to probably speak for about 15 or 20 minutes. Um, part of that will be going inside through the, the magic door there uh, into the Gary Hill installation, uh, where I'm going to talk about that for a few minutes, and then, uh, and then we'll open it up for questions. So uh, I think that you know I've been down here a number of times uh, going through the show, and you know the thing that really struck me is that uh, the cinema show is really about how film is viewed in the 21st century, and you know leading up to the 21st century, the way in which film is viewed and the way in which film is made, and also the way narrative is constructed. I mean, this show really. Uh, reveals the transformations and paradigm shifts uh, brought on through experimental film and exper experimental video that's really changed uh, the parameters of how, how we experience film nowadays. And I think what's particularly interesting, uh, and I think that runs through the whole exhibition, is this notion of ambiguity. Each of the works explores its subtext, its, its content in terms of Amb ambiguous uh, modes of perception, ambiguous modes of, of narrative uh, that lend this dreamlike quality to, to all of the works in the show. And, and this idea of what is real and what is not, uh, what is fiction and what is nonfiction is another theme that runs through the whole exhibition and I think speaks to the media world that we live in today where our lives are, the narrative really of the world that we live in is constructed through the media. Uh, and we perceive our reality through the media. And this show plays into that idea in a really, really um, just powerful way. So I think at this point, why don't we uh, head inside? I'm not sure if anyone's seen the exhibit yet. So. I'll just assume that. How many of you have actually seen the show? so far, so well, maybe half. Um, we'll talk about the Gary Hill, and then I will refer to um, a, uh, a few other works in the show. So if you haven't seen it yet, don't worry about it, but it'll give you some uh, ways of thinking about the rest of the exhibition. So why don't, uh, if everybody could just step inside. Okay, where's the, where's the uh, I'm just curious where the, oh there, the speaker. <laughs> uh, the, we're, we're completely wireless here today. <clears throat> so, one of the things that, uh, can everybody hear me okay? I know it's very resonant in the space. Um, I probably sound like the voice of God coming through the sound system here. 
But I wanted to, uh, I wanted to begin uh, by talking a, bit, a little bit about Gary Hill. Uh, Gary Hill was born in 1951. Uh, he lives in Seattle, and he's one of the premier video artists in the field. And like Bill Viola, who's another major video artist, uh, he's of the same generation. He came of age during the early 70s, uh, was part of uh, a number of artists who were working with experimental television during, during the early 70s. And you know, I think, like Bill Viola, uh, has a very special relationship, not just with the, not just with the image, but at, with sound as well. Uh, and, and one of the things that I wanted to point out about this piece is how much it actually draws from, from music. I'm going to begin by talking a little bit about uh, how this piece is done technically, which is kind of mysterious. Uh, and it was a little difficult to, to get a lot of information about. Even uh, the curators here know a certain amount about the technology, but not completely. But from what I gather, behind one of these walls, is uh, the equipment, uh, the computer, and the uh, and four DVD players that have uh, all the imagery that you see. There are four DVD players that are connected to one another and synchronized, and they're being fed through a computer and a video routing system that then sends out uh, the signals to the 30 monitors in the exhibition. And one of the thing, and the piece is called Suspension of Disbelief for Marine. And I think that what's interesting about the way that the piece is constructed from a technical standpoint is just how much it lends itself to a musical interpretation. Uh, as, as I mentioned, you know, the way that video or film is made has changed dramatically, and this is a great example of that because one of the things that you'll notice about this piece is that you don't watch it in the way that you would watch an ordinary video on a single screen, that you actually are constantly chasing the image around. And you'll notice that there are various patterns and movement uh, of the imagery. And because there are four DVD players, you'll notice that there are never more than four images at any one time, even though it might appear that there are more than four because the images are being routed around the monitors so quickly. But it, it's a very elusive and transient work um, that begins to take shape as, as you watch it. Uh, one of the things that uh, Gary Hill was particularly interested in, and I, I, I suppose it's important to know that uh, much of Gary Hill's work is rooted in, in, in the word, in text, and the way that the word relates to the image. And this piece is very different from most of his other work in the sense that uh, this doesn't involve any text and there's no sound in the work. Uh, it's purely about um, the, the human body and the transience of two human bodies that have been joined electronically. So what he was interested in doing with this piece and the reason why it's called Suspension of Disbelief for Marine is that uh, Gary Hill uh, was, you know, was living in Seattle and his, his girlfriend, I think it's his girlfriend, uh, moved to New York. So they were separated. They were uh, separated at a great distance across the country and he wanted to create a piece that would unite them, that would reunite them at least virtually in the electronic space. So what he did is he filmed his own body in Seattle and then he went to New York 
and he videotaped his wife's body and then he composed this piece so that the two of them are, have been reunited. And so the idea of suspension of disbelief is that um, it's a kind of suspension bridge, as it were, of video monitors, but also it invokes this idea of the suspension of disbelief. And I'm not sure if this is a term that everybody is aware of, but the suspension of disbelief is the term that's used quite often in film and in theater that uh, deals with the notion of illusion, the way in which we watch a film or we watch uh, a, a theater work on stage and, we, and there's a, an imaginary fourth wall uh, that exists between the audience and the stage which creates this sense of illusion and a sense of what you see is real and what you sense is really happening. And, that's, and that suspension of disbelief is what engages you in the piece, is what creates the emotional or cathartic uh, connection with the work. So what he said about to do here uh, was to explore how media can create a sense of intimacy despite technological separation. Uh, there's a term for this that's been kind of bantered around in the media world called uh, the telematic embrace. And this term, the telematic embrace, was actually the theme of a media exhibition uh, that traveled around the country a few years ago. I had a piece in this show. And uh, the artists in this exhibition, The Telematic Embrace, were all concerned with how media could, how we could reconnect or unite with one another through media, such as you know, when we speak over the telephone, um, when we're uh, accessing uh, one another through IM or through the internet, uh, email, and the web, and how does technological separation impact proximity the sense of proximity and the sense of intimacy between people. So what he's interested in evoking in this piece is a sense of intimacy between himself and his girlfriend, despite the technological separation, uniting them in this electronic space and showing also the transient nature of that elusive, illusionary relationship between them by this constantly shifting video image that that again we're chasing, um, but as you watch it more and more, you begin to construct this connection between their two bodies, their two naked bodies that are lying and, and uh, that are joined and, and swapping back and forth as it were between the two of them. And uh, maybe we could just take a moment, I'll stop for just a moment and just watch this piece. So the artist is inviting us to, to create an intimacy, to create a relationship that exists entirely in the electronic realm. And this is a notion that we're constantly critiquing and constantly questioning as we think about our relationship to one another as it's mediated through technology. Now there are a few other ideas that I just wanted to explore briefly in terms of how this piece connects to other works in the exhibition brings up a few other uh, ways in which this piece is constructed. One of the things that I think is really interesting about this, and it's a term that Bill Viola has called data space, is the idea that the piece isn't just running from a linear unfolding of images in time, but is 
running from a bank of images, a repository or database of images that are being redistributed in the installation space. And there's a piece right over here um, called Release that um, is, takes some footage from King Kong and then manipulates that footage much in the way that a DJ would scrub a video um, to explore the idea that video or film does not have to be experienced in linear real time, but rather can be manipulated and accessed using computer technology. Uh, next, on the, on the other side over here, we have Steve McQueen's Bear. And there's a connection between this piece and that piece as well, because in Bear you have uh, the artist, uh, who's African-American and with and he is performing a kind of dance and uh, ambiguous sexual kind of embrace um, and again the, the ambiguity and the connection the embrace between the two of them is constructed in the electronic realm just as this piece is so that, that's another interesting connection and of course the idea that video can be created as sculpture uh, is something that ties in with uh, the Tony Alser works, as you'll see their projected uh, faces and body parts on doll-like sculptures uh, to create this very bizarre, uh, these bizarre psychological conditions um, as video sculpture. So that's another important aspect of the Gary Hill piece is the way in which it, it creates a sense of, of sculpture. And then uh, I think another interesting connection is the very first piece when you walk in, uh, it's a piece by Douglas Gordon, and you see a curtain, and you see a light behind the curtain, and when anyone passes through that curtain, you see their shadow, their silhouette. What that piece does is it also invokes this notion of the suspension of disbelief and qu questions authenticity and illusion of what's happening behind the screen. And I think, and, and it also brings up the whole notion of of uh, immersion and the penetration into the artwork. And I think that this piece um, also invites you, besides the suspension of disbelief, it also invites you to immerse yourself and penetrate and, and cross that suspension bridge, as it were, into this electronic space uh, that Gary Hill has created. So I think that's um, about everything that I wanted to mention, but I wanted to take some time and for uh, questions from the group. So does anyone have any questions? Yes. Hold on. More about music and could you say it in the mic? you mentioned that there's a musical comparison music. Can you talk about that? Yeah. <clears throat> well, my background is in music and I've always approached my work with media as a composer. In fact, I refer to this technique as composing with media. And so uh, it's the idea that you would work with musical structures, musical uh, dynamics, uh, rhythm, pattern, uh, the way that, the, way that the, the image might be um, constructed according to those typically musical parameters, but it's not, it's not music that you hear, it's in a sense, it's music that you see. Is that, I guess, 
A, consistent with the intentions of the artists, and do, do, does the patron miss anything by, by starting in the middle of, after all, the green light DVD? Yeah. That's a really good question, and uh, it would be the intent of the artist to do that. But it's also interesting in the way that museums interface with media art, because museums historically uh, were made for objects, and, uh, and also the, you, typically the lights are turned on, they're not turned off, and the walls are not black, and you're not walking through these darkened corridors. Um, so there's a whole paradigm shift that's involved in the way that, mu that museums are, sh are showing media art. Uh, the other thing is that historically uh, film and video was not meant to be shown in a museum. It was meant to be screened. And, uh, and so the idea of showing particularly long works is very problematic in museums because who has the time? I mean, if you were actually to see every single work in this show in its entirety, I, I don't know, maybe it would... would they say about an hour and a half to two hours. Well, but, but Andy Warhol's sleep alone is, a, is an hour. If you discount sleep, it's about an hour and a half back to back. Yeah. Um, it's, that's, it's, you know, it's a fairly, it's a fairly big investment in time. So, so there's that aspect of it um, in terms of how, how the works, you know, use, utilize time and the amount of time it takes to, to view the work. But the other thing that's very interesting is that as opposed to the way that, that film is screened where you walk into a theater and you are intended to watch the piece from its beginning to its end, it doesn't work like that in a museum. Uh, the way, because you're walking, I mean, you, you don't look at art that way. You don't look at art like it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. You simply, you enter into the work, you watch it for as long as you want, and then you move on. And that's the paradigm that still functions in the museum, even when you're showing media. So I think that a number of artists took that into consideration when they created their works, and really thought deeply about how the, the moving image needs to be experienced in a museum environment as opposed to a screened environment. And that's why so many of the pieces are short and they run on loops and they're in, they're, they don't really have a beginning, a middle, and an end. They're meant to be, you're meant to enter into the piece at any given point in time. That's a, that's a really interesting observation, the idea that we're looking at a kind of film strip. Um, but, I think that, but I think that the similarity with film really breaks down at that point because this is a nonlinear work. This piece doesn't have a beginning, a middle, or an end. Uh, you don't look at, the images don't play at, at necessarily 24 or 30 frames per second. Uh, and what we have essentially is this um, almost kind of digital way of thinking about uh, film, that the images are either on or they're off. There's a kind of zero or one notion that's playing out on those screens. And that's a very different way of, of viewing film and w watching video. So I think that this, is, this work 
perhaps more than any other piece in the exhibition, which is why I was interested in, in this piece, uh, really breaks the pattern of how we, how we view film at, at, at a certain rate or speed and in terms of its linearity. I don't know if everyone is familiar with Stan Brakhage, um, who's known for uh, hand painting frame by frame uh, his film works. And they also don't play out in a linear fashion, that they are a, essentially a, a series of paintings at 24 frames per second that just flash before your eyes and create a, almost a kind of subliminal uh, explosion of light in your brain in much the way that this does. And I think that, I, I, think, I really think that, you know, in the work of, of Stan Brackage and the work of Gary Hill, that they're trying to create this kind of dreamlike interpretation of the image by showing the work as, as light and as flashes of light and as transient moving things that are, that are happening so quickly that they, they can't be perceived in, in the normal fashion, but they're perceived in some uh, kind of subliminal way that the images sort of plant themselves into your mind and then uh, come back or reoccur uh, in a way that is not in any kind of traditional linear fashion. Anyone else? Just a technical question. Uh, do, these images all have, do these images all occur in a set order or is there any sort of randomness involved in the appearance of anything on the screen? You know, that was the question that I was hoping to get to in my research, and uh, I, I didn't get there. And, and I don't think anybody around here would be able to answer that question. Um, whether, you know, how, um, how this piece was sequenced, whether it was uh, subjected to some kind of algorithm or mathematical pattern, uh, or whether it was really composed frame by frame, you know, uh, monitor by monitor. I think that's a really interesting question, and it brings us back to the way that musicians work you know, in terms of the construction of rhythm, the construction of pattern and duration, um, I'd be very interested in, in knowing that myself. It's, it's a good question, but it's, it's not the kind of, I think it's, you know, it's fair to say, it's not the kind of problem I think that typically um, is looked at in the visual arts because it has so much to do with a, again, a musical perception of pattern in time. And, uh, but I really think that, you know, knowing that Gary Hill, knowing that Gary Hill's work is, is a lot of his work has is, is explored sound, uh, I would imagine that he's thinking very much along the lines of musical composition here. I know that Bill Viola actually studied music as a student, and I wouldn't be surprised if Gary Hill had as well.
uh, we'll be talking about her work, both past and present. Well, thank you again for coming in. Thank you very much for talking about this work. It's great. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you. Enjoy the show. Thank <laughs> you.